all that he continues to do, regardless of the things that I do. Thank you, God. It's good to see you both members and visitors alike. We thank you for your presence. We praise God for you being here today. Let's please go together to God in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you so very much for this day, for allowing us to worship you in spirit and in truth. We praise your holy and divine name and we bless you. Lord God, we're so thankful that this day has come, a day in which we can worship you. We pray that our worship service will and has been pleasing and acceptable in your sight. We ask, O oh God, that you will help our minds to be open to your word, to your instruction, to the things that you would like to speak to us, that we might listen attentively and apply these things to our lives. Help us to be the people you'd want us to be. Help us never to forget Jesus, your great son, who died so willingly on that cruel cross of Calvary that we might live. These things we ask and pray and thank you for in that wonderful, magnificent, most awesome, holy, and precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, be thy will. Amen. Please turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Still talking about this understanding of our marriage and the unity that is necessary in our marriages and protecting our marriages so that Satan does not have an influence on us. And it's a very uh, strong principle that God has given to us in Hebrews 13 and verse 4 that we are to live by and understand. And it says, let marriage be held in honor. Among all, let the marriage bed be undefiled for fornicators and adulterers. God will judge. A very simple text in the Bible, but is full of so many rich blessings of life. Here's what God wants us to do. He wants us to stay connected. Let's go back to Exodus, please, chapter 20. He wants us to stay connected in our relationships, in our marriage. Stay Connected to God. Stay connected to your spouse. Effective communication is paramount to the success of any and all relationships. And here's what happens. When we lose our connection, we begin to talk strangely. Remember Peter? You know, they said that the time that he had um, took his sword out, he drew his sword and cut off Malchus's ear, and they said, you talk like one of them. And you can always tell when Christians lose their connection because their language changes. And you can also discover when marriage couples have lost their connection because they too talk strangely. Our communication changes. What type of communication are we engaging in? So we look back at the commandment in Exodus 20 and verse 7. And the commandment says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Psalm 139. Do you think God meant that? Is that a suggestion or is that a commandment? The way that we speak, God says, do not take my name in vain. We must remain in this relationship with God in a in a reverent way, we must never take his name in vain. And you'll see how this uh, also forms into our relationships with each other. That we are to always show respect and have a proper attitude. 
Psalm 139 and verse 19. Listen to what the enemy does. Oh, that thou wouldest slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, men of bloodshed. For they speak against thee wickedly, and thy enemies take thy name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate thee, O Lord? Do I not loathe those who rise up against thee? I hate them with the utmost hatred. They have become my enemies. The enemy of God takes the name of God, Colossians chapter 4. The enemy of God takes the name of God in vain. I wonder how many Christians have been an enemy of God. The enemy of God takes the name of God in vain and uses it in any way that they choose. Without reverence, without respect, without awe. Colossians 4 and verse 6 says, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned, as it were, with salt, so that you may know how you should respond to each person. Make sure that your speech is always seasoned. 1 Peter chapter 4. It's a speech that people love to hear. People want to hear. Verse 11 says, Whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him do so as by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, in whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. So now that brings us to marriage. Turn to Proverbs chapter 18 for just a moment. How do you speak in your homes to your spouse? What kind of language do you use in your homes? Is it disrespectful to your spouse? Do you speak of your spouse in a way that brings them down or do you speak in a way that lifts them up? We're going to come back to that in just a moment. Do you speak as the enemy might speak to your spouse? And brethren, we know that we do not need to speak like that. We don't talk down to each other. We build each other up. But let's take it a step further in our speech. We do not flirt with other people. Males don't flirt with females. And I guess today in our world today, just don't flirt, period. Females don't flirt with men. You don't speak like that. We don't talk that way. We don't go down that road because once you start going down that road, it's amazing how Satan intervenes and he jumps in there. Don't even go there. And when you recognize that flirtatious tone coming from someone else other than your spouse, like we said last week, flee, run from the scene. Save yourself and save your marriage and save your relationship with God. So we have this power in our hands. In Proverbs 18 and verse 21, the power that we have, the Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life. We have the power to strengthen and build our relationships up and we have the power to tear them apart with our tongues. Proverbs 25, just with our tongues. 
with our mouths, whether we're trying to be cool or, or, or whatever it may be, just cut that out. Our speech should always give us away. People should automatically know that we're married by the way we speak. They should automatically know that we are children of God simply by the way that we speak. Proverbs 25 and verse 11. The Bible says they are like apples of gold and settings of silver as a word spoken in right circumstance. I absolutely love the, the Proverbs on communication. It's, they're so powerful in, in what they teach. We have the power to say the right words at the right times. How are you communicating at home? Are you using your words to build your spouse up? To make your, your wife feel like a queen? To make your husband feel like a king? Using respectful language. Chapter 16, please. Using respectful language and making them have a strong desire to come home. To hear the words that you have to speak to them today. What kind of words, what kind of communication is going on in your relationship? Verse 24. The Bible says, Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. I mean, how does it make you feel? Turn to Matthew 5. How does it make you feel when someone says to you, your spouse in particular, says to you things like how beautiful you look today or how important you are in my life or how necessary and meaningful you are to me? How does that make you feel when you hear those kinds of words? A seasoned word is powerful. And so Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 13 that you, we Christians, you are the salt of the earth. We bring the flavor, if you will, not just to the world, but think about our relationships. To be able to bring the flavor to our relationships, to make our spouses feel so lifted up and so good about themselves in this particular relationship, which will also cause them to refuse to listen to what others have to say about them. To lift them up to build them up, to grow them in a proper way. But if the salt becomes tasteless, how will it be made salty again? It is good for nothing anymore except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. I'll tell you what will happen. If the salt in our relationship becomes tasteless, Someone else will use salt. And then we'll begin to listen. Because we like to hear. We like to hear nice, kind, respectful words spoken to us by someone else. Don't let Satan have a foot into your relationship. Turn to Song of Solomon. Song of Songs. Song of Solomon. We're going to read just a... Just a little bit of this poetic language. We have the power to, to build up. We have the power, brethren, to tear down. The question today is, how are you speaking in your relationship? What exactly are you saying in your relationship to each other? Verse 15, chapter 1. How beautiful you are, my darling. How beautiful you are. Your eyes are like doves. How handsome you are, my beloved, and so pleasant indeed. Our couch is luxuriant. Chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. 
How beautiful you are, my darling. How beautiful you are. Your eyes are like doves behind your veil. Your hair is like a flock of goats that have descended from Mount Gilead. I've used that, by the way. Hey, honey, your hair is like a flock of... No. <laughs> Don't use that part, right? <laughs> I just wanted to just throw that in there. <laughs> that are descended from Mount Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of newly shown ewes, which have come up from their washing, all of which bear twins, and not one of them has lost or young. This the idea, just how beautiful you are, how important you are to me in my relationship. Verse 7 is more. Verse 7 says, you are altogether beautiful, my darling, and there is no blemish in you. You can use that one, though. There's no blemish in you. You are just as perfect today now that we've been married for 98 years as you were the day I met you, right? You're so beautiful to me. You're so handsome to me, sir. Remove that vain speech from your mouths and speak pleasant words to each other to build each other up, to grow one another. In the family relationship, in the church in your marriage, brother, our responsibilities simply to build each other up, right? In a marriage in one way, the church family in another way. But we're not to degrade each other. You know, you know what happens in, in psychology? We begin to, uh, you, know, you hear things in, in the world of communication and you, you process them. You have streams of information coming in. And then you've got to decide what to do with it once it comes in. Either you take ownership of it or you, you put it in the delete file. But how many times do you think uh, a young girl growing up hearing things like, or a young boy growing up hearing things like, you're too fat, you're too ugly, you're too skinny, you're too tall, you're too whatever. And then they believe that. They begin to process that information. The streams of information come in. They begin to believe that. And then they pattern their lives after that. Right? And then they have this negative feeling about themselves, or understanding about themselves, and they go into their marriage relationships with that same negativity. And then, and then you gotta try and deal with it later in their life. Look, it's our responsibility to use words that build up and not words that tear down, to stay reverent in our speech, in all things that we do, to remember in our relationships, to use those terms or, or of, of endearment, if you will, to use those, those positive thoughts. I heard a, a man say a long time ago, he said, you know, I told my wife I loved her when we got married, and when I changed my mind, I'll let her know. That doesn't work, right? That does not work. Exodus chapter 20. How often do you use terms of endearment? Have you gotten away from those things? That type of language? How is your relationship with God? How do you speak to your friends in the community? Do they know you're a Christian by the words that you echo? Out of your mouths? Do they know that you're married? What about this next one? Exodus 20 and verse 8. Um, you know, the keep the Sabbath day holy. What, what is God really saying about that? I mean, think, so that was a, that day right there was a, a way, a day of, of rejuvenation. Um, how does that apply? How, how could that apply to us? What do you think God is really trying to say? What is, what do we need as humans? What do we need as humans? Now, God didn't need this, but the Bible says that God made the heavens and the earth in six days, and on the seventh day, God rested. God didn't need rest, but God gave us, if you will, 
and understanding of a week. You gotta take a day, brethren, to spend together in good quality time. Two days, it'd be wonderful, right, throughout our week, but at least one day a week that you spend together in good quality time. And ensuring that nothing comes in to that day that interferes with your relationship or interferes with your day together, right? To make each other feel important and valued. Uh, turn to Proverbs, please, chapter 5. To take a day to, to remember this relationship is so critical and this day is so important. You remember that life is not about making money. Life is about relationships, right? And sometimes we make life all about making money and we forget about our relationships. And then that day goes away. That day is non-existent. And when that day becomes non-existent, we're at work every day, five days a week, sometimes six days a week, we lose our connection. You can't lose your connection, brother. And this is what happens in our relationship with God as well. Right? We go to work, we work, 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 and we're too tired to come to worship. And we start losing our connection with God. And when you lose that connection, everything begins to fall apart. And in our relationships, it works the exact same way. We have to keep that relationship, keep it emotionally, spiritually, and physically intact. It has to be spiritually intact and not forget Not forget about our spouses and not forget about our children. Not forget about our family. Not forget about the Lord, right? Proverbs 5, verse 15. Drink water from your own cistern and fresh water from your own well. That means go home, by the way, right? Drink water from your cistern. You don't need to be at somebody else's house. Amen, right? From your own cistern, should your springs be uh, dispersed abroad, Streams of water in the streets. Let them be yours alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Yeah, you see, God says the idea is we grow old together. What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing to grow old together. I can look at my wife and say, you are so young. To me, you look so young. You look just as young and beautiful as the day that we met. We grow old together. You know what happens sometimes with men? We grow older and we start looking around and we go, you know. But she looks younger, this other girl. And so we want, and we forget that, that even though our wives are growing older, so are we. Right? So are we. And, and even though we might say, hey, you know, I see a flaw. We have flaws too. We're supposed to grow old together. That's the beauty and the joy of life and the blessing of life in itself. Relationships are wonderful. And it's up to you, it's up to me, how I'm going to cultivate that relationship. See, I like to tell young folks, you're in this for life, right? So you only get married once. You're going to be in this for life. And so since you're in this for life, then why don't you go ahead and make it the best ever? Right? Make it the best. And you have the power to make this the best ever. And you can do that by the words that you speak. You can start there in your relationship. And, and we talked about loyalty and commitment and dedication. All those things as well. Ecclesiastes 9 and 
the verse uh, 9 says, Enjoy life with the woman whom you love all the days of your fleeting life, which he has given to you under the sun. For this is your reward in life and in your toil, which you have labored under the sun. This is God's gift. Thank you, God. God is good, isn't he? Deuteronomy chapter 6, all the men should have said amen because the wife's going to say later, wait a minute, if I'm your gift, how come you didn't say amen? Deuteronomy chapter 6, you said it. <laughs> you're, you're safe then. Deuteronomy chapter 6, not just, not just in the relationship with our wife, in the relationship with our children as well, to not let, don't let the school raise your children, right? And it's not the church's responsibility to raise your children either. It's your responsibility. And so as in this relationship, as we take this time, this committed day, this committed time, be sure you have the time, the commitment to show your children how important they are to you. To show your children that, that God is important. And what God has designed is perfect. And it doesn't need any help. And there's no need to add to it. And there's no need to take away from it. It's a beautiful thing. In verse 6 of Deuteronomy chapter 6, And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart and you shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up stay connected to God now this brings us right into the next thought you know the next thought is in, in Exodus is um, to honor your father and mother right Exodus 20 and verse um, verse 12 to honor your father and your mother right and, and it carries on to the New Testament as well that your days may be prolonged, etc. What a beautiful passage. What a beautiful passage. Now, now let me, let's think about this for just a moment. Now, all of us, all the children of God, have the same father. Right? Different mothers, same father, God. God is, God is our father. So it starts with God. So today the question is, are, are you doing all that you can to honor God? Your father. I mean, today, when this this day, this moment, this hour, the way that I speak, the way that I'm I'm thinking right now, with all the things that are going on, am I doing all that I can to honor my heavenly father? And then, yes, we need to honor our biological fathers and mothers, and and then the church fathers and mothers who help take care of younger folks as well, who are without or who are struggling. You know, if the idea is, am I treating? them in a proper way with honor. I love the word honor. Honor and integrity. You may not mistreat your spouse. You, not only that, look at Matthew 25. Not only that, but you may not mistreat your spouse especially if they're members of the body of Christ. So, so now the principle is you may not mistreat your spouse. But now we go a step further, especially if they are children of God. Well, so the parable of the judgment, we didn't just grab just verse 40. The king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it, to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it, to me. I want to give you a different perspective. Maybe one you already know. Let me remind you of something that you already know, you've already done. Maybe you're already doing it. 
when you look into the eyes of your spouse, you need to make sure you see Jesus. If you don't see Jesus, you're not looking at your spouse properly. When you look into the eyes of your spouse, you need to see Jesus. Because everything you do to your spouse, you're doing to Jesus. You want to yell at your spouse? Yell at Jesus. You want to hit your spouse? Hit Jesus. You you get what I'm saying? Because Jesus told this parable, and he says, when you give a cup of cold water, and when you visit, and when you take care of me when I'm sick, and when you do these kind things to me, you're doing it, if you do it to the brethren, you're doing it to me. Your spouse is your brother in Christ. Your sister in Christ. Whatever you do to your spouse, you're doing to Jesus. This morning, how are you treating Jesus? How are you treating your spouse? You see, these principles are so powerful and they carry so far over into our relationships with God. Look at Malachi chapter 2. Malachi chapter 2. God is, is getting on, on Israel, his children. He's saying to them, uh, to Judah, you are mistreating each other in a way that is disrespectful. It is without honor and God does not like it. In other words, brother, this is what we can't do. You can't just get angry at each other and just get up and leave and divorce. You gotta work it out. You're looking at Jesus. You gotta work it out. Verse 13. And this is another thing you do. He's talking to the priest in Israel, the sin within the family. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and with groaning because he no longer regards the offering or accepts with favor from your hands. You come to God and you're crying and you're saying, God, I can't figure out why you won't help me anymore. You're not blessing me anymore. The land's not producing for us anymore and we're suffering, God. And we can't figure out why you're treating us this way. It's all your fault, Lord. You know, we start blaming God and going through that whole spiral of negativity. And then God says, let me tell you what the problem is. See, the problem is not me. The problem is in verse 14. Yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been witness between you and your, the wife of your youth against with whom you have dealt treacherously, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. That's what the problem is. Problem in God. The problem is you. Oh, well, Wait a minute, God. That's not fair. <laughs> and, then, and then God says, I hate divorce, verse 16. I hate putting away. I want you to work it out. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel, and him who covers his garment with wrong, says the Lord of hosts. So take heed to your spirit, and you do not deal treacherously. So with each other, Right? Do not deal treacherously with each other. Work your relationships out. Start that communication now. That nice, positive, effective, and beautiful communication. Talk to each other. Build each other up. Tell her how important she is to you. How important he is to you. Love each other and let it be known to the world how much you love each other. Tell her she's got a hair like a flock of goats. Do something, right? Right? All right, Ephesians chapter, chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. That might stop an argument, by the way, so you might want to use that. Just, 
Ephesians chapter 6. So children are an integral part of the relationship, right? We know that. We've seen, we've seen marriages uh, destroyed because of the children, the children's issues and then parents siding with this, you know, just, you know the mess. So I say to the children, instead of being a problem child, why don't you help? Help your parents to love God, to love each other, and to love you as well. Be a part of the family in the positive. Be a helper. And remember, children, when you look at your parents, you see Jesus too. Because they're children of the King. Ephesians 6, verses 1 and verse 2. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with promise. What's what's amazing about this is that honor brings, you know, we talk about working, you know, we don't, we we live by faith and all that, we we got that. But you know, when you honor people, when you honor your father and mother, when you honor the heavenly father, God says there's a promise that comes with that. Because of your works, because of your honor, I'm going to bless you. And the blessing is to live long on the face of the earth, to live long in Deuteronomy, in the land in which they were living. There was a promise from God based on the duty, if you will, and the application of that duty to honor each other, to honor spouses, to honor God. So father and mother are supposed to lead the children correctly. To lead the children correctly and safely home. Not like Hansel and Gretel, home, but home. To be with God forever. Folks, if, if we're not taking the time to teach our children about the Lord diligently, I mean diligently, how are they going to give an answer to someone who says to them, God doesn't exist any longer? How are they going to give them that answer? If they come home to your, your physical home and mom and dad are fighting all the time, how in the world are those children going to be able to say, well, serving Christ is the right way, the best way? Protecting the integrity of marriage takes work, but it's worth every bit of it. And this morning, perhaps there are some that you're struggling in your marriage and you like prayers and made in your behalf or you like conversation, whatever it may be, we can help. If you're not a child of God, we encourage you to surrender to God, to come to the Lord, to surrender to Him in the waters of baptism. Having believed His word that you've heard, being willing to change your life, to repent, being willing to confess His name, and then being baptized, immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins. This morning, this beautiful family welcomes you. God welcomes you. If we can help in any way, please come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation.